Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Daily Thread Podcast. And boy, is it nice outside. It's a touch of spring, uh, January 4th, the 11th of Tavis. You know, you have uh, that good meteorologist voice. It's the 11th of Tavis. Yes, it is. You know? Yesterday was the 10th of Tavis. I know what comes after 10. And people are going to be able to know pretty, up until like the 18th and 19th, they're going to start losing track of what the Hebrew date yeah, is. Although, re- you know what? I meet people all the time. That I say to them, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that on January 16th. Actually, there's a guy in Israel that I talk to. I'm going to do that such and such on January 16th. He goes, January 16th? What's the Hebrew date? Well, Chabad, they, they, the, the Hasidim, they, they go they by... Date, the, they date checks in Hebrew. They only go by Hebrew calendar. You, what's Could you date your checks in Hebrew and the bank will take it? Can you imagine across the street and the Chase Bank saying, 11th what's, that, what's the state for? Ches Tavis? <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. I don't know. Bank. Yeah, especially if you're trying to post date checks. Your base, your base is tomorrow. What are yeah. you doing? Anyways, um, the the highest temperature ever on January. Well, I don't. I, January, it's January fourth. It's January fourth. So I see January first and second and third. January fourth, the high that we've ever had, I believe, was was seventy three degrees. In two thousand and four. Okay, it's not, not so. Uh, can I say that's not so long ago? That's not so. That isn't so long ago. Nineteen seventy one is a while that's, ago. If it was after you were born, which means you were nine years old in two thousand and four, I think. So, um, listen, this is what they call Indian summer. <laughs> what do they call Indian? Summer? I don't know. I don't know. And I just hope it's Indian. not racist. No, no. Every nothing is racist. Everything is racist. That's, that's true. That's what we've learned. To, yes. Yeah, anybody can spin anything into being prejudicial. Uh, Racist, misogynistic. Uh, what's an Indian? What's an Indian summer? I don't know. Look it up. What's an Indian? Oh, you don't, you don't know? No, Indian summer is like when it gets warm in the middle of the winter. For some reason, it's called Indian summer. Interesting. Well, the lowest the oh. lowest temperature for January fourth. I think it's probably like a prejudice type of thing. What do you think the lowest number is? Oh, I don't know. Zero. No, believe it or not, I think it's four eight degrees. Eight degrees. Wow, we haven't had that kind of winter. I know the weekend that was in Eretz Yisrael. A few days ago, it was pretty Shabbos cold. Hanukkah was pretty cold here. I understand. Yes, uh, it was. It was. I heard was, that, and the flooding was crazy. You know. Yeah. Well, we we spoke about the flooding a little bit, um, but anyways, coming up on Yeshiva Darchei Torah's fiftieth yes anniversary. Yes, yes. That's the Yovel. It's the Yovel year. Well, I've been attached to Yeshiva Darchei Torah for many, many years since uh, you guys went there in elementary school. Since you moved to the five towns, since you moved here, yeah, you had a whole life before I was which born. Which is thirty years. You know, we're living here thirty years. Uh, and February first this year will be thirty years. Oh, wow! And you guys, not you, you weren't born yet, but uh, your older brothers. Uh, went I was to Darkei Torah. I was on the second shift. You know, but uh, I, I was talking to Rabbi Yaakov Bender, uh, who is the uh, leader, the head of the school for the last 40 plus years on Sunday. And um, you'll see the article in the Five Towns Jewish Times this mm-hmm. week. It's called Darkei at 40, at 50. <laughs> no, Darkei at 50. And because Rabbi Bender is there 40 plus years. And I, I after, after I finished talking to him and to a couple of other people on the board, Lloyd Kilson, uh, Ronnie Lowinger. Um, I was thinking to myself, you know, it's so different being a parent in a school and dealing with the issues that come with being a parent in the school. How my kid is doing, which class is he in, where is he sitting, uh, how's he getting along with the Rebbe, how's the Rebbe getting along with him. That's completely different than once you look inside what's going on in a yeah, school. a yeshiva specifically. Uh, uh, no, first of all, a yeshiva of this size, 2,600 students. Really? Okay, 2,600 students from preschool through the Kolel years. 
just remarkable things uh, going on there. And uh, I don't want to go through the whole article now, but uh, hopefully people will pick up the paper. And no, read please it. tell us. I mean, you <laughs> or read it online. You, you spoke to you Ray Bender for this article. Well, yeah, yeah. We we, oh. we we talked to him about how the, how did the Iranian Revolution, the fall of the Shah, and the rise of the Ayatollahs in Iran impact Farakwe and Yeshiva Darchei Torah? How did the fall of communism? Uh, you know, and uh, and the immigration immigration of Soviet Jews. How did that impact Dachei Torah? It did. How? How? He had to make room for some kids. Once once the Shah uh, fell and the Ayatollah came into Iran, Jews escaped from Iran, and a lot went to Eretz Yisrael. A lot had relatives in New York that came to New York. Mm -hmm. You know, got a great neck today. It looks like little uh, Tehran. You know. Uh, many of them are, are immigrants who came in around 1980. Right. Uh, around 1980, of the Iranian Revolution. X amount came to this area and needed to have to put the kids in the yeshiva. So Rabbi Bender had to make room, not just physical room, but he had to have a cultural understanding of where the people are coming from and what they I, need. I saw a story online from uh, Dovi Safir, who is uh, an, Safir. Uh, he's an alumnus of Yeshiva Darkhtar. He's okay. a grandson of... Zav Wolfson, uh -huh, and, and uh -huh. he's a he's a contributor of Mishpacha magazine, and he said that um, after after the Iron Curtain fell, yeah, um, a lot of the Russians came to America, right, and many of them were going to Darkhi Torah and Farakwe, yeah, yeah, and you had a lot of kids in the class who maybe they didn't speak English or they didn't really have a way of communicating with the rest of the boys, mm -hmm. and Rabbi Bender came in, and he said, um, you know, what do you guys usually play by recess? And they say we play basketball, football. He said, today you're playing soccer. <laughs> today you're playing soccer. And he, yeah. and he knew that that's a way that yeah. the boys who grew up in Frockway are going to connect with uh -huh. the boys who are coming from Russia. Right. And right. Um, that's, that's, that's tremendous. That's tremendous chinuch. There's a lot going on there. And I asked Rabbi Bender to, if you could sum up for me yeah. what his goal was for the last 40 years. 40, I think he's there 43 years, actually, 44 years. Uh, how do you sum up what you aim to accomplish or what you accomplished? Yeah. He said, a yeshiva that focuses and emphasizes incredible chesed. You know, and, and his 20, you know, you know what? And he, you know what? Darkly really trailblazed the path of, of taking in Bahram that, that have special needs. That are, uh, that are either handicapped physically absolutely. or, have, I, or I, need resources from help. I, he doesn't mind me speaking about it because I wrote about it. Uh, Ronald Lowinger, Ronnie Lowinger, who's the president of Yeshiva Dachi Torah, who, uh, you know, when we came here, there was no, no Dachi didn't have a high school. Yochanan was the first, you know, he was, he was the, the first, first graduating high school class. Chaim Shlomo, named for Chaim Shlomo Lowinger, an autistic young man who today is 41 years old. And Ronnie Lowinger shared with me that he had this kid, nine years old. He didn't know what to do. He didn't know what to do. He couldn't find the right place. No, no place would would accept. Yeah, there, there was uh, there you were have to go to public school. There were, there were programs for 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 kids that were dealing with autism, um, but he he didn't think they were being treated properly. He didn't think what the kid was getting what he needed to you, get. You know, any from a firm parent raising a firm family, they want their kid in a, in a Torah environment. You know, maybe they don't want them. And, and then he said he saw a, he was I think he was in Brooklyn and Borough Park. He saw a flyer for a, a, something in Simcha Day Camp. The day camp something for special needs children. And he saw the flyer. And he brought his kid out to uh, Far Rockaway to, and he went into the the way he describes it in the in the vestibule in the hallway of Yeshiva Dachitora. And he met Rabbi Bender, and he told him he wants to enroll him in the summer program. And then he told him that he doesn't know what he could do with him the rest of the year. And Rabbi Bender said, "We'll take him. We'll take him in." And 
It's life-changing for a family. It really is. Life-changing for a young man. It's life-changing for a family. It's life-changing for an entire community. Exactly, and and beyond community, for your entire cholesterol, because, you know, many other from communities around the world, they strive to do what Rabbi Bender has done in Farakway. They strive to do in their communities. That applies to YSV (laughs) in Muncie. It applies to, uh, you know, Neri Stral or Dachy Torah in Toronto. It applies applies to every, it applies to every yeshiva. They're trying to, they're trying to, you know, Follow his lead. So I also spoke to Joel Kaplan, who's the executive director. Yeah. Uh, and really, you know, you want to know what's going on educationally and conceptually and philosophically, you speak to Rabbi Bender. If you want to know how the place works, not just day to day, but minute to minute, you speak to Joel Kaplan. You find out what's really going on there. Rabbi Bender told me, you know, I didn't send him questions. He has 2,600 students there. He has 24 kids that lost their parents that have... Yeah, a one parent home. This like okay. And then, recently yeah. or, or in no, total? Right now right now there's twenty four students yeah. that either lost a mother or a father. Okay. Okay. And then he told me that he has X amount of I forgot how many he told me X amount of kids that come from divorce homes. A home where it's divorce. And they have different challenges. You know, you know you have, I think you have to yeah. be on the lookout for something I noticed in elementary school in Darche is that Rabbi Bender always had an affinity towards um the kids who you know, grew up in a home who they, where they were yasam because he himself was, was a yasam. His father, His father passed, passed away when he was very young. Um, yeah. And he uh, actually, we have an episode of Meaningful People that we do with Rabbi Bender. And I think it's time to do yeah. another one, to be honest, especially. Maybe you should coincide with the 50th anniversary. Maybe we should. Uh, it's uh, there's no reason I'm sure that he has, uh, he has certainly had him on for an hour probably. Funny. His he, gra- he's got much more grand- to say than just one hour. His granddaughter got engaged in the middle of the episode. So I feel like oh, yeah? once he got the text that she's engaged, it like we kind of had to like rush. He wanted to get out. <laughs> I mean, like that's a little more busy. important. Yeah. Anyway, it's a it's you know I, w- I was a parent there for many years. Like I started to say, and now you're uh, a grandparent. There. I'm a grandparent there, and I you know some of the information, some of the some of the complaints trickle down about this one doesn't like this class or that class or that seat or this seat, you know. And these are things that you have to. These are like small potatoes compared but to. But, but these are things that a parent has to has to deal with. But that's a that's only one side of a school. There's so much more going on, and uh, I'm not saying that. Yeah, of course, you have to look out for your child as job number one. But if you take, if you have the ability to take a step back and view uh, what's going on on a larger level, you see things. You see things, things a little differently sometimes. One hundred percent. And one thing I recall when I was in eighth grade in Darche, I my seat was by the window, and they were. They were currently knocking down the old building yeah. and starting to build the new one. And let yeah. me just tell you, I did not learn a darn thing in eighth grade because my You're head was just, built. I maybe learned how to build a building because I was just, I was, I was fixed on them knocking down this place where I was, I was there my entire elementary school in that building that they were knocking down. You know, I wasn't a, I wasn't a, I don't know. I was a quiet, I was a good bit, well-behaved student in elementary school. Yeah. Uh, but I have to tell you that I used to sit by the window. Oh, and yeah? uh, I used to I used to keep the bu- I, there was a bus stop right outside the school. <laughs> outside <laughs> used the to window. keep stats. I, no, I used to write down the numbers of the bus. Why? I wanted to know how long it took them to take the whole route and come back again. Ah, but that is, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why I've never heard that until now. <laughs> I didn't think of it in a very long time. You know, stories like it was that. It's like bus seven twenty two. <laughs> okay, and I would look at my watch eleven a.m. and like about one thirty p.m. bus seven twenty two would come back again. <laughs> <laughs> 
And I wanted to know, was that the same driver? Did they change shifts? <laughs> I was doing a research project. Let on, me tell you something. That, mass transportation that's why Brooklyn. people. That's why people refer to you as a national treasure. That's why the Daily Fan, <laughs> they say, protect your father at all costs. Did you uh, think you were going to work for the MTA? No. Were you concerned no, about the... I, I was curious. Uh, listen, I was sitting in class. I had nothing to do. <laughs> so, <laughs> God forbid, I didn't learn. Have, I didn't have a phone. It wasn't invented yet. Um, you know... There was no, there was no smart board. Yeah. It was just a dumb board with chalk and an eraser. Oh yeah, chalk. Yeah, chalk and an eraser, and um, the window was there. So I looked out the window. There's nothing else more interesting Can you going imagine, on. Imagine if there was no window. Yeah, maybe you'd count the bricks. I might have gone insane. You know? Yeah, maybe. Listen, uh, my last, my last point I want to make about Darkham. I'm curious. You know, you've been a journalist for a very long time. I'm hoping you asked Ray Bender. You know what? What the biggest challenge has been over the last fifty years. So uh, I I really I'm curious if it may have been COVID, um, you know, with the with the with the, the you know students coming from Iran, uh, we really Russia. You know what? We COVID uh, might be the COVID might be the biggest challenge. Yeah, we really didn't talk about COVID. I gotta tell you, they'll have to do that in a follow up article. But maybe, maybe I'll uh, uh, you read read the article. It's uh, it's it's about seventeen hundred words. It's not too long and not too short. How long does it take to read seventeen hundred words? Do you time uh, that? It depends what kind of reader you are. It depends when you're reading it. If you by the way, it, I really like this. Some websites they have articles and it tells you how the word how counts? it tells you how long it'll take you to read this. Depends, you know, if you read a Friday night after you had like chicken soup and matzo ball. Oh my gosh. You're not reading the whole thing. You know, there's there's one. You'll be asleep on the third paragraph. There's one column that I read. Challenge Shabbos, you try to read afterwards, a couple of lines and you're out. There's there's one column that I read that I I start it and it happens every week to me on Friday night. I start reading and I just, I fall asleep when I get to the second page of the article every single time. And every week I'm like, I'm going to get through the whole article this week. And I just never, I don't know, what reading just knocks me out. I know, I know, especially, uh, I, can't tell, I can't say to you when you get older, but uh, I don't know, it depends what you eat. Yeah. You know, the Rambam diet says that you shouldn't, you shouldn't eat meat like past a certain time because it, it doesn't, it doesn't, this really, you're taking a real twist here, but I, I, I believe I, I heard from uh, Rabbi Jonathan Rietti in a speech that the Rambam diet says that your body needs like six hours to break down. And diet, right? It's not like you said died. No, diet. Diet. Yes. Oh, okay. I don't say diet. I say passed away, but diet. Diet. Um, okay. Uh, like my phone is passing away right now. Right. Oh, really? Uh, <laughs> How about mine? Let me see what's going on on mine. Okay, I'm listening to you. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, whoever's listening, like the second my father touches his phone, see you later. Anyways, the it takes your body like six hours, like, break down meat so if you think uh -huh, you're going to uh -huh. eat meat and then go to sleep your body's not actually getting a good rest that's why you could get like 12 hours of sleep on friday night and you wake up and you're still exhausted it's because your body didn't actually rest anyways let's go to our right, let me tell you something about that before oh, you, please okay i have a friend who's a cardiologist he lives in florida and i used to practice here dr michael chestner okay and he told me many years ago People think that Shabbos, you come home from shul, you have like Kiddush and shul, you have a little, a little whiskey, a little scotch, a little bourbon, you have some challan, some kugel, and that kind of like makes your eyelids heavy and you're going to fall asleep and you're going to sleep two or three hours on Shabbos afternoon. Today is what? Today's Wednesday. You can't go to sleep this afternoon. It's because of what you eat. You no. Know? Uh, he told me, but why? He told me that, uh, for example, challan has ingredients, beans and potatoes, uh, very high in carbohydrates. And carbohydrates... Uh, releases extra insulin into the body, which makes you drowsy. Mm. That puts you to sleep. So you're scientifically 
you know, inducing sleep. It's not magic. It's not well, that would explain why it happens also on Yontif when it comes out on a Tuesday. Or how about when it's Sunday night, it's Yontif and you're exhausted. Shabbos just ended, you know, 24 hours ago. And it's Friday night, you can't wait. And Sunday night, you can't wait to go to sleep because you're exhausted. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, what's it, next? It's interesting, this the whole sleep cycle discussion. Because as a kid, I'm sure your sleep pattern changed from then to now. Like, you wake up at 5 a.m. now. Sometimes earlier. Now, right now, I'm jet lagged, still from Israel. Are you serious? So, you yeah. got back a while ago. I got back a week ago. One week ago this morning. I, I think. I think that's. I think that you're stuck <laughs> forever now. <laughs> no, I don't know. It's, I uh, think this is your new life. I think you should no, get used I to it. I don't want to bore people with my sleeping pattern, but uh, it's. Um, but you know what? I I I I, 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 I yearn for the day you know, that I'll wake up early. I had, I had grandparents, you know, and and my mother's parents. So did I. And my mother's parents, my mother's parents, uh, my, my grandfather, he had trouble sleeping. And one of my mother's problems was that the fact that he was, he couldn't sleep at night. He was up all night. But it's not a problem now. Now when you get up at 3 a.m., there's so much stuff to do. I grab yeah. my phone. I mean, there's always my stuff emails. to do. I get emails from, it's the middle of the day in Israel. I get emails from Israel. Um, I'm a little bit embarrassed to answer the, uh, the, the emails at 3 a.m., because the next question from the people is going to be, what, what are you doing up in the middle of the night? So I kind of wait till like yeah. 5 a.m. <laughs> but like, so there was seems a, like a reasonable time. There was always up. something to do. What? There, were, there was always nah, something to are do. Are you sure you could open up a Gemara? And you, you could, could also time how long it takes a bus to get around the block. Well, yeah, not at night. You, know, you have to be in school. And I think it's know. even more interesting to do one at night. Yeah, Anyways. And you have to think of it. To do that in the first place, you got to think of it. You have to have a special mind to do that. Um, this on Yeshiva World. Plain bread and water day of Teshuva and Panovich following the falling of a Sefer Torah. Awful news. Uh, in the wake of a fall of a Sefer Torah on Shabbos morning, Yeshiva's Panovich, the Rosh Yeshiva established the day of Teshuva and Hisairis on Thursday as outlined in a letter published in the Yeshiva on Tuesday morning. Bechadre uh, Haredin reported that prior to the publication of the letter, Rosh Yeshiva of Panovich, Hagoy and Rav Gershon Edelstein sent the Nasi of the Yeshiva, Hagoy and Rav Eliezer Gehanaman, to the Paisik Hagoy and Rav Moshe Shal Klein, asking about the opinion of the late Paisik Hagoy Hagoy and Rav Shmuel Wozner. A lot of names. The letter signed by Hagoy and Harav Edelstein, Hagoy and Harav Baruch Pavarsky, and Hagoy and Harav Kahneman stated that it can't be said um, that the Bakram should fast in the wake of the incident due to the Bittal Torah it would cause. Uh-huh. And therefore, they scheduled Thursday, the 12th of Teves, which is tomorrow, as a day of the Shuva and his Cyrus. On this day, after Dephilas Mincha, the Chazan and his Bnei Yeshiva will say a Parakuf Yud Testament to Hillam. All those who were in the base Medrash when the Sefer Torah fell are like those who saw a Savior Torah falling, and therefore on this day they will eat only bread and water without spreading anything on the bread or mm-hmm. eating any other foods. All of this until Tzaytzakachavim, therefore not causing weakening of the limud. Um, the mm-hmm. Bachar will accept upon themselves to be mechazik and the covet of the Sfarim, and therefore each, bach, each Bachar will accept upon himself to return the Sfarim he learned from their place at the end of the Seder, and he'll try to take another two Sfarim that he didn't learn from and return it to the bookshelf. That's uh, it's very That's nice. a very, it's very interesting psak. Um, have you ever seen a Sefer Torah fall? Baruch Hashem, I haven't. I I, I haven't. Seen, I, I saw one almost fall. You know, they caught it. You know what? I if I Chas Hashem was ever in a place where it did fall, I kind of feel like I would just like what are the circumstances? Sneak out, jump and make out of sure there so you don't have to get stuck eating bread and water for a day. Is that your goal? It's spooky. It's spooky. You know, seeing a Sefer Torah fall is like seeing an old person fall. I mean, it's what, scary. What, 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 what was the circumstances of the fall? Except out of someone's arms. Was they didn't someone, say. Someone, they gave Hagbara some weak. You no, know, it's first of all, it's, I'm sure it's it's embarrassing. But you know, there was this this story. Uh, Yol Gold told over Rabbi Yol Gold told over. There was a story that Rabbi Yol Gold told over. About someone who in some Torah, he fell. And he dropped mm-hmm. the Sefer Torah, mm-hmm. and the place is just like quiet. Mm-hmm. And everyone's like, "Sefer <laughs> Torah is the happiest day of the year." Yeah. And you just dropped, we just dropped the Sefer Torah. What do yeah. we do now? Yeah. And they, you know, everyone wants the chalpshes, right? 
and they take that Sefer Torah and they they go to the bima and they're opening it, and they saw that one of the letters on the Sefer Torah, it was chipped. It was it's possible. Yeah. The Sefer Torah was never, it was never, a, never co- good. Oh. It was never a kosher Sefer Torah, uh-huh. and they would have, and they would have been using the Sefer Torah to lay in hundreds of times, and it wasn't a kosher Sefer Torah. And this guy, meanwhile, was outside. He was crying. He was distraught. And they went to him, and they're dancing with him. They said, "You didn't, you didn't so cause Bittel. It was a puzzle, puzzle Sefer Torah. It was a puzzle Sefer Torah. So what so you did is you caused us to fix the Sefer Torah. Uh-huh. Very interesting. So interesting, yeah. interesting spin. I mean, we have a we that lane yesterday downstairs. Yeah, we did in our building in my office. We have a Sefer Torah there uh, that I. Bought many years ago is uh, a used Sefer Torah was restored. It's very heavy. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. You know what? You have what? to give. You have to give a strong person. Hagba. Hagba. You, you want to hear my want to hear my hot take? I'll say it straight to the camera. When it comes to doing Hagba, you don't have to be strong. You just have to have good fundies, good fundamentals. It's and not about arm strength. You want to give a demonstration of what the proper way to to do Hagba is. Okay. Should I bring your Sefer Torah up? Yes, you want to bring your Sefer Torah up from downstairs? You want to get the Sefer No, that's, that's not that's not covered, Dick. So you see, we have a table over here. Okay. Okay? And you have to, it's all on the knees. You can't. The knees? You have to. Okay. No, no, no. You can't, you can't try to lift it. You know, Nissan, yeah. he does Hagba. He's extremely, he's way stronger than me, but he's very nervous about. If you just, if you, if you lift it straight up, you don't know, you don't understand Hagba. No, you can't. You never ju- were taught how you to do can't just go like that. Right, that's the wrong, unless you, it's a tiny safer. Unless it's tiny, then you can showboat. But what you need to do is got to <laughs> use your knees. Let's bring it down. Yeah. Knees, bend. Yeah. The more you bend, the more weird yeah. it looks. But yeah. bend a little bit and use your legs and lift it. And it doesn't matter how scrawny you are, you could do Hagba. That was a free tutorial on how to do Hagba. Don't be nervous the next time they say, uh, no, you, Hagba, and you're like, I am, a, uh, I am a string bean. <laughs> what do you want me to do? You know, and some places have these tiny Sefer Torahs nowadays. Um, I think that's mostly, most, uh, the new Sefer, new Sefer Torahs are small. small. Yeah. Not tiny. But they're more expensive. Some of them are tiny. More expensive. Well, you know, it's more difficult to write ones with tiny letters. Yeah. No, I to totally be able to you. see them. And then, of course, there's a, the Chabad version of um, of Hagba, which is different than most other Which shows. is more difficult. And when I was there at Yisrael, I dived into the Sephardi menion one day. Oh, my gosh. And that, that you need to be a bodybuilder for. No, but that that's but that seems easier to pick up. Really? Yeah, it doesn't require any knee or uh, leverage action against the table. Very interesting. Much more uh, just, just different approach. I'm not sure. Uh, you know what? Well, that's your that's you know that's sort of uh, and w- winding down the episode for today. You had mentioned that Itamar Ben Gvir was uh, criticized by yet another member of the of, the, of UTJ. For visiting the yeah Moshe Temple Gaffney Mount. Moshe Gaffney uh, also the, the, it sends listen it sends the wrong message it's halakhically not allowed for us to be visiting Temple Mount shouldn't have gone it okay. sends the wrong message there's there's two things going on like I said yesterday so I said maybe politically I understand what he's trying to do like politically we should have the right to be there sure but as a from Jew in which he is I don't he maybe he shouldn't have maybe he shouldn't be not maybe he shouldn't have gone up yeah but he his post game allow him to go up and there are very I mean, I, I I've looked at the I've looked only, only superficial observation, but I was in Eretz last week. I told you I saw a line of people waiting for the Maghrabi gate to open to go up to the Harabayas. I saw I don't want to judge people based on their outward appearance, but I saw you know guys in uh, you know kapotas and and black up hats and beard yeah, and payas ready to go up there. So I don't know what their, I don't know what their cheshbon is. Maybe they were going but up there to do one, pidyon shruin or things, something. One of the things was said yesterday, the spokesperson for the State Department, Ned Price, 
uh, said that he thinks that Ben Gvir going to the Harbayas is going to lead to violence. Okay. Now that's one way to ensure at least the violence. To, we, you know, that's not helpful. <laughs> we don't need that kind of suggestion from the yeah. U.S. State Department. Anybody out there, in case you weren't thinking of it. How about violence? I know, and it's interesting because there was one rocket fired from Gaza. It seems like they just needed to they needed to follow the advice. Sure it wasn't a firecracker? Yeah, they shot one rocket from Gaza and it landed in Gaza. Okay, it probably it probably ruined a couple of houses. So it's like Injured we don't people. we don't we don't want to start up with Israel right now, but we also don't want to make believe that we didn't heed the advice of, from the State Department that said it might cause violence. Anyways, that's our stories for today. I do want to mention something. Yes, here at the Daily Thread, um, which is part of you know the Meaningful Minute family. You know, our mission is to spread light. Our mission is to is to our. speak about, you know, good news and news that's happening that maybe isn't so good, but to present it to you with a Torah lens. It could be uh, in the past we've strayed from that a little bit and have discussed topics that are, you know, counter... Not, not today. Not today, though. <laughs> um, but that, that are, are a contradiction to what the goal is. But here at, at, at the Daily Thread, we, we vow to bring you those stories and and those those topics uh with with as much possible the torah perspective you know based on us we're not rabbinim we're not you know we're not gonna paskin but you know we do we do research we read what's written and we try to bring the stories to you in a kosher way and with depth and there there are differences of opinion and i think one of the main challenges of jewish life uh, is the, the great diversity within torah life and we have to be able to respect one another yeah that's uh, always key. Not denigrate or, or re resort to this new uh, fangled way of doing things by canceling people, which is uh, very uh, distasteful and unnecessary. And it, it shows a lack of intelligence when you're just trying to, someone you don't agree with, you're just trying to hurt them some way. Yeah, it's, um, it's definitely strange. But anyways, we really appreciate you sticking with us here at the Daily Thread of course, we have so much more content for you. Make sure to sign up for our WhatsApp status. That is, um, the link is in the description, in the show notes. You can send us an email. We love hearing feedback from you. Uh, the Daily Thread at meaningfulminute.org. Uh, if you'd like a special happy birthday video from Ab over here, uh, happy birthday video. <laughs> if you want Naki to show up at your birthday party, if you need help, you know, doing Hagba. You know, Naki, we talked about you going showing up at birthday parties. No, we didn't. And 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 no, when did we talk about Shevin that? and weddings. When did we talk about that? I mean, you you if if you get into your schedule for the proper fee, I don't go to weddings. You, you should show up. <laughs> Maybe Nissan will go instead what of me. What about smorgasbord? I know you love. A, I know you love a good smorgasbord. I'll send you. You can go. No, I only love a smorgasbord because um, usually my goal is to leave after after the chuppah. You know. Okay, now everyone's gonna be keeping an eye at you at their weddings. Uh, listen, you're not gonna find me after unless it's a family wedding. You're not gonna find me after the chuppah. Anyways, I'll tell you where you will find us. You'll find us tomorrow, right here, <laughs> same time, same place. The Daily Thread, same bad channel. Yes, we'll see you there.